So we're going to open up to Luke chapter 2 this morning. And thank you, Lord, that it is always good to open up your word. <laughs> that it is a lamp for our feet, a light for our path. And in its pages we find your promises, your ways, Lord, your hope, Lord, the truth. And I just pray this morning, Lord, that uh, you would open up our eyes and open up our hearts, Lord, to hear what it is that you would want to say to us this morning, Lord God. Lord, uh, may we not look for a perfect sermon this morning, because we know it's not going to be that, Lord, but may we look beyond that to what you might be saying to each and every one of us, I pray. We just thank you that you're here, Lord God, that you're um, our Emmanuel, our God with us, Lord, and thank you, Holy Spirit, that you can just breathe life into these words, Lord God, that they would penetrate hearts and resonate, Lord God in our spirits. And that's what I pray for this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm sure that many of you at this time of year, uh, you will have heard the Christmas carols playing in the shops and, you know, on the radio perhaps. We have a couple of Christmas CDs at our house that we get a good run through this time of year. And it's a bit of a worry because they're great CDs, but I think Steph, my wife, has mentioned on a few occasions this Christmas, she's like, oh, I feel a bit worried that I've kind of played these CDs to death. I've played these carols to death, so we've just got to give them a little bit of a break. So I've had to try and find some new Christmas music. But I don't know about you, but I'm someone that when I sing songs, whether they're Christmas carols or in worship, I, I like to mean the words that I'm singing. I don't like to just, you know, go through the motions. I want to mean the words that I'm singing. And, you know, there are times... You might find this as well. There are times when lyrics or a phrase or lines just jump out at you and just kind of resonate with you or speak to you, speak directly into a situation and cause you to think or wrestle with or ponder or reflect. And so as I bring this message this morning, uh, over the last probably few weeks at least, I've just had a particular lyric from a Christmas carol that's just been on my heart. It's been kind of resonating in my spirit. And as I've, um, as I've just kind of reflected on that and thought about it, I feel like the Lord's just been speaking and just putting a few things on my heart. So that's what I want to share this morning. And the particular lyric is, From Joy to the World. Many of you, I know it's your favorite carol. But uh, this particular line is, Let every heart prepare him room. Let every heart prepare him room. And I want to ask us this morning, and I'm preaching to myself as well, really, because personally it's been quite a busy season, a busy year. But I want to ask us all, to what degree are our hearts preparing Him room this Christmas? And you know, I, I think we could and, and we should ask ourselves this, this question, not just at, at Christmas time as we sing the, the carols, but all throughout the year, each and every day, to what degree are our hearts preparing him room. And I believe that as 2018 comes to a close, as we start a new year, with all the promise that it holds, it's a great time for us to pause, to reflect, to ponder this question and prepare him room, so to speak, or perhaps even look at and examine areas of our lives where we haven't been preparing him room or making space for him, if you like. And as I've been reflecting on this particular song lyric, 
I've just been reminded of Luke chapter 2, verse 7. That's where we'll start here this morning. And it says, She, Mary, obviously, gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them or no room for them at the inn. And I think so often we read this account of the Christmas story and we, oh yeah, there was no room at the inn. It's kind of becoming a, a saying in culture as well. Oh, there's no room at the inn. Something's f- full or busy. There's no room. And we just kind of gloss over that. But let's think about it for a second. There was no room for him at the inn. There was no room for Jesus. There was no room. There was no place in that particular inn for the Savior of the world. May it not be said of us, of our hearts and our lives as those of us who profess to follow Jesus. May it not be said of us that there was no room for Him in our lives. That no room could be found for Him. And I don't know about you, but sometimes in life, you know, perhaps it's your home or your office or something like that. Isn't it amazing how just stuff kind of fills the, fills the space? Does anyone else find that? We've got a storeroom just out here to the right of the stage. And um, it's a storeroom, but I like there to be a bit of order in there. So at least twice a year, Andrew and I will clean it out. And we'll go in and we're like, how on earth is, what's all this stuff? Where's it come from? And we, you know, we do a big trailer load. We take stuff to the tip and it's looking pristine and clean and plenty of Floor space, the drummers don't no longer have an obstacle course just to get to the drum cage because the lights are off in there so they can't actually see anything. But it's amazing how quickly the space fills up. Where there's a space, it's like, I don't know, people might just think, oh, I'll put it in the storeroom and then put it in the storeroom. Or actually, I think that sometimes things just multiply. I don't, I don't know what it is. We've had tables out there, trestle tables that have been there. And it's like we've thrown a whole bunch out and then there's like more. How, how does that happen? Being fruitful and multiplying. We're following the command of the Lord in our, in our storeroom. It's amazing how quickly things just fill up and things stuff appears. And it's a little bit like our lives at times, I think. I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like there's just things that fill up our time, that encroach on our space and our hearts and our Focus and all those things. It's like that it just appears. It multiplies. Before you know it, you're pressed for time. You're pressed for room for the things that truly matter. And before we know it, perhaps we find there's no room for Him in our busy schedules and lives and all the things that we have to get done. What does it look like to prepare him room or to make space for the Lord Jesus in our lives? Well, this morning I've sort of felt not to kind of, you know, give a three or four or five step plan for making room for him. I want to give enough space, pardon the pun, for us to go away and just reflect and come before the Lord in our own times. It could be how we're spending our time. It could be how we are welcoming his lordship and his leading in our lives in the day to day. So let me just encourage all of us as we go from here to come before the Lord, to ask Him to just ponder and reflect, Lord, where is is the room for you in my life? Am I making space for you? 
And even perhaps, you know, what are those areas of my life where there is no room for you? And when we read that there was no room for him at the inn, in this particular verse in Luke, and hear me correctly here, you know, I know it was God's plan, I know it was his purpose to send his son, uh, that he would become nothing, that he would become, um, come into the world in, in just complete humility. So I understand that it's all his purpose and plan, but I can't help but think as I read that, you know, if only they knew. If only the innkeeper knew who it was that Mary was carrying as they came knocking on the door looking for accommodation. If only they knew. Here was the Savior of the world, the promised Messiah, the one who would save his people from their sins, the one who had come to rescue and redeem, the one who would bring freedom, but there was no room for him at the inn. I think that's a little bit sad, to be honest. They missed out. Imagine, imagine the tourism, perhaps. Here was born the Savior of the world. Like, they missed out. If only they knew. You know, as, as we read throughout the Gospels, and there's moments where Jesus would say similar things that later in Luke. Jesus weeping over Jerusalem, saying, if only you had known the hour of your visitation. If only you had known that I'm the one, I am he. And before we focus too much on the innkeepers and the others missing it this morning, let's personalize it. If only we knew. If only we knew the significance, the joy, the life-transforming power of preparing him room in our hearts and in our lives. You might remember the account in John 4 where the Samaritan woman meets with, uh, with Jesus at the well. And they're, they're talking and conversing. And Jesus says at one point, If you knew the gift of God, and if you knew who it is that is speaking to you, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Because Jesus satisfies in every way. Have you heard of the modern phenomenon called FOMO? It's an acronym. Well, don't be worried if you haven't, because when I first heard it, I had no idea what it meant either. I don't think of myself as very hip or cool. I'm a bit behind on some of the trends. So when I first saw it, I thought it meant fear of man's opinion, which perhaps is a thing that's been around not just modern times, but all times. But it means, apparently, an acronym for fear of missing out. The fear that something exciting or interesting may be happening and we'll miss it. And it's actually quite a powerful force for shaping or changing behavior in modern society, I think. Is, am I right? Some of the young people yeah. nod. Yeah. Younger people, sorry. But it's, it kind of shapes behavior. You don't want to miss out. So you're either always engaged on, online or on social media or you... you you don't want to miss out, so you go to things that even though you don't want to be at, that you're there because you don't want to miss out on what's going on. Hey, Siri. <laughs> you know, it's a modern phenomenon, but perhaps we would do well to have a little less 
FOMO for the things of man, fear of missing out on, you know, being popular or liked or, you know, not being this at this or that, and a little bit more for the things of God, a little bit more FOMO for the things of God. Because if we apply it to our spiritual lives, not out of peer pressure or legalism or anything like that, but what if we were concerned not so much with external pressures and desires to be seen, to fit in, but with missing out on Jesus what he has for us, on the fullness of who he is and on the fullness of what he freely offers to us. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on any little thing about knowing Jesus, about what he has in store, knowing the reality of his presence and power and what he has made available to us. And as we prepare him room in our hearts and lives, and we'll look at this in a little while, this is where we come into a greater fullness of knowing Jesus and of seeing who he is. So can we just turn a couple of pages to the right, to Luke chapter 4? Because I think as we, th- as we think about preparing him room this morning, I believe it's important to remind ourselves of who Jesus is and why he came. Especially at Christmas time, it's important to know and remind ourselves who he is and why he came. So Luke chapter 4, verse 16 is where we'll be. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Let's just pause there. Just as a little aside, a little tangent. This, this is fascinating to me. Just, this jumps out every time I read this passage. It says, as was his custom. You know, Jesus was committed to being part of... Church, the synagogue, the local, the local gathering of the people of God. Uh, and that, that's so amazing and wonderful, encouraging to me. Because if, if he made it a priority to honor God, to be in community, if anyone who has ever walked on planet Earth had a valid reason to be over church, to be frustrated with church, to not feel like they needed it or whatever, surely it was Jesus Yet here we find, as was his custom, he made it his priority to be there in the house of God. Anyway, sorry, that's just an aside, but I just wanted to encourage us this morning in that. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did in Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to the woman who was a widow. 
There were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. It's a fascinating passage how they start off, you know, in a fairly kind of positive place about Jesus. How quickly they turn to this place of wrath, it says, and anger. And he openly proclaims. He stands up on the Sabbath, opens up the scroll. He openly proclaims all these prophetic scriptures about the Messiah, why he would come, what he would do. I'm here. I'm the fulfillment of all that you have longed for and all that you have searched for. I've I've come to proclaim good news, to bring liberty to the captives, to open the eyes of the blind, to break off oppression, to proclaim the, the time or the season of the Lord's favor. That's amazing because he's still doing all that today. And as we approach Christmas, we would do well to remember that he still saves today, that he still brings freedom today, that he still heals today, that all these things the prophet spoke of and all these things Jesus fulfilled in his coming. He stands up and he says, look, this is, there's many other prophetic verses he could have used, but this specific one, proclaiming good news, bringing liberty, opening the eyes of the blind, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And it's interesting because we don't have time to read through the, the next few chapters of Luke. But as you look at the headings of the, sub, you know, the, the paragraphs over the next few chapters, this is what my Bible says anyway. He's just proclaimed, the Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring freedom, healing, all those wonderful things. And then it says, these subheadings, Jesus heals a man with an unclean demon. Jesus heals many. Jesus preaches in synagogues. Jesus cleanses a leper. Jesus heals a paralytic. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus heals a man with a withered hand. Jesus ministers to a great multitude. Jesus heals a centurion's servant. Jesus raises a widow's son. It goes on and on. A sinful woman is forgiven. Do you kind of see the picture there? He stands up and proclaims this truth fulfillment of this prophetic, this prophetic scripture. And then he goes and carries on doing those very things. And you know, we're talking this morning about preparing him room. That's a choice, isn't it? To prepare him room, to receive him, to welcome his lordship, his presence in our lives or not. And I kind of think that the response of the people... Well, they didn't really receive him, did they? In the passage that we've read. We could say their hearts did not prepare him room. It was like the fulfillment of the Messianic prophecy was right there in front of them. But their inability to see, to recognize Jesus. Perhaps their familiarity with him. Perhaps the, the bonds of religion, just the duty. The hardness of heart. But, but as I touched on with the subheadings of the subsequent chapters in the book of Luke... You know, the refusal of the people in the synagogue to welcome him or to prepare him room or receive him, if you like, did not stop Jesus from healing and setting free and proclaiming good news. But what a shame to miss out on that. What a shame to not see the fullness of that in Jesus' hometown. It says, you know, Jesus could only do a few miracles there 
because of their unbelief. I must admit, I'll be happy with a few miracles seeing that, you know, but, but how much more does Jesus want to do and pour out? Just like the innkeeper's not preparing him room when he was born, it did not stop him his coming. It did not hinder God's plan and purpose. And as we read this prophetic scripture, which is from Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. As we read this scripture, we see Jesus. We see his work. We see his ministry of preaching and, and healing was designed to meet every single human need. If only we knew. If only we prepared him room for that in our hearts and lives. And that's why I believe we're exhorted to prepare him room in that, in that carol. Because when we prepare him room, when we make space for him, when we welcome him into our day to day, we see with greater clarity, we experience with greater fullness the wonder of Jesus and all that he is and all that he does. Who's finished their Christmas shopping this year? Yeah. I put my hand up, but really it's my lovely wife who's kind of done, done the Christmas shopping. But I don't know how it works in your families. Perhaps you have a Christmas list. And perhaps you've been asked this question. You know, what do you need for Christmas? What do you need for Christmas? And I don't know about you, but I find that a tricky question to answer these days. Um, what do I need? Well, I'm, it's very hard. Oh, yes. My secret Santa uh, from our family. I'll talk to you afterwards, actually, give you some ideas. I do have some ideas. What do you need for Christmas? It's a difficult question because, I don't know, fairly, fairly content. I heard it said, I think, at, a, at Brendan and Mel's wedding a couple of weeks ago. Was it Brendan described as a bit like a Labrador, you know, as long as there's love and food and exercise, he's pretty happy, you know. It's pretty, pretty fine. I kind of feel that way as well. Because... When we, when at Christmas time or birthdays, what do you need? Well, sometimes, and I'm always thankful for gifts and presents, but sometimes those things, when we get more stuff, there's other stuff that's kind of got to make way in the wardrobe or in the shelves or in the cupboard. Does that, do you know what I mean? Sometimes more stuff means more room taken up in my house or in my tool shed and can crowd out other things. <laughs> so as we approach Christmas and as we approach a new year, as we approach each and every day, it can be easy at times to, to think, you know, you know what I need? I, this is what I need. I need a break. I need a holiday and I need some space. Once I have a bit of a break, I'll be right. Or perhaps we think, you know what I need? I need... This new job. I need this new relationship. Or I need this more money. Or whatever it might be, you can fill in the blank. I need this addition to my life. And if I could just have it, then I'll be set. Then everything will be okay. The problem is that sometimes those things can, if we're not careful, crowd out Jesus. Because they take up more space in our lives. And so this morning, I want to suggest or say to you that it's, it's not more money or stuff or presents we might be expecting. 
It's not great food and time with family and friends this Christmas. It's not that new job we might be hoping to start. It's not that relationship we're seeking. But what we truly need is a fresh revelation of Jesus. To see Jesus more clearly. To be reminded of who He is and what He came to do and what He does today. Dare I say it, perhaps what we really need is to prepare Him room in our hearts and lives. And coupled with that, having a fresh resolve to seek Him, to know Him, to pursue Him, to live for Him and to make room for Him in our busy lives. Because if only we knew the blessing, the joy unequaled, the hope and the freedom and the true life that comes from preparing Him room, well, we would, do, we would definitely do it, wouldn't we? And all those other things would perhaps find their proper place. So just to kind of bring it together this morning, let me leave you with just these couple of thoughts. You know, when we prepare Him room in our hearts and in our lives, when we make space for Him, if you like, there is a cost, isn't there? Of our time, perhaps our effort and our energy. But you know, the cost is far greater to be found to have no room for Him in the inn of our hearts. We read through Scripture, you know, we could look at the wise men, part of the Christmas story. There was a cost for them to go, and to seek Him. It was a long journey. As we look at the disciples, perhaps, there was a cost for them to follow Jesus, wasn't there? They had to give up everything. For us today to follow Jesus, there is a cost, there is sacrifice as we lay down our lives and our will to follow Jesus. But making room for Him, preparing room for Him, making space for Him in our lives, that is a far greater value. And the cost is far greater to not do that, is what I'm trying to say. Good. When we, when we prepare Him room, we begin to see and experience in greater measure the fullness of Christ and all that He has done, all that He is doing, and all that He offers to us the good news the liberty the opening of the eyes the freedom the year that proclaiming the time of the Lord's favor so let me encourage us this morning as we celebrate Christmas this week as we celebrate a new year next week as we go about our day-to-day -day lives you know living out our lives and walking out our salvation the best we can for the Lord and His glory. May we consider what we truly need and see fit to prepare Him room. As we heard last week, it is indeed great joy to the world as we remember Jesus at this time of year. Because He's come. And because He's come, let's be a people who prepare Him room. Amen. So, uh, we're going to finish the service um, well, a little bit differently in that we're going to have communion together. And so how about we stand? Is that okay? Yeah, if we could get someone to come and play. Beth and Andrew, thank you. And I want to just give opportunity, you know, we've heard about preparing him room.
And as we come to the Lord's table, to remember Jesus and the price that he paid. Like Perhaps the Lord's been speaking to you this morning. Maybe there are some areas in your life that you have sort of not given him room. Or that things are so busy or full on that it's just kind of crowded him out. This morning, let me encourage you to come afresh before the Lord and just lay those things down. To come afresh to just seek Him this morning. Say, Lord, I want, as I celebrate Christmas, as I come into a new start of a new year next week, I want to just prepare you room. I want to make space for you to come, to breathe life, to bring fresh revelation of who you are. So that's, that's kind of the sense as we come to communion, not just to rush through it, to spend that time with the Lord and then um, perhaps uh, when you're ready just to, to come and, and, and take communion in your own time. So there's a table up there at the back. There's one up here at the front. Can I just get a couple of helpers actually at both stations just to sort of help with laying it out and making sure the transition is smooth? Um, that would be great and there's no need to rush off as well if you want to come and kneel at the front even and just do business with the Lord just come before Him what better time than Christmas time to just realign your heart refocus and say Lord come afresh and have your way so Lord I just want to thank you for this morning thank you that we've been able to gather together as your people Lord, I just um, really pray in this season, Lord, with Christmas only a couple of days away, that, Lord, each and every one of us would just take a moment right now and as we go from here to just refocus our attention upon you, to perhaps recalibrate our hearts where we need to do that. Lord, speak to us where there are things that are just perhaps crowding you out taking our attention, our focus off you. But Lord, I pray that we would go from here today, Lord, with an overwhelming sense of hope, of joy, of peace, and of your presence with us, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, that as we remember your coming, Jesus, that you would just bring fresh revelation of who you are. Lord God, open our eyes, I pray. We love you, we bless you, and we give you thanks and praise this morning. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen.